to the book of Jeremiah. I have preached here a few times a while back. I think, matter of fact, in camp meeting this past September, I preached out of the book of Jeremiah. And uh, I may have hit it a couple more times when we were here uh, along the way throughout the year. And then we got over into the book of Jonah. We hit the book of Jonah back in uh, April or so. We actually just hit that one again at our church. And uh, Lord's blessing uh, with that. Blessing me anyway. I don't know if he blessed anybody else with it. Can't speak for them. But I really love this book of Jeremiah. I think as far as the amount of information that is given in, a, in any given book in the Bible, Jeremiah has the most information. Psalms is the biggest. We can't argue with that 150 chapters. There, there's Psalms. Psalm 119 is 176 verses. Can't argue with the Psalms is the biggest. But as far as the amount of information, if you were to calculate it as, as, as bytes in a computer, or I don't know, I'm thinking, I'm kind of out of my league there talking about computer stuff, Brother Larry, but if you're going to, if you're going to quantify it like that, Jeremiah has more information than any other book in the Bible, I do believe. But I also think that Jeremiah is one of the most pertinent books to us in the day that we are living today and what's going on in our world today. And what we need to have going on in our world today, which are, are some men who will stand and preach the gospel unashamedly, not worried about uh, what's going on out in the world. Matter of fact, I really don't like it that Brother Josiah is sitting down there because he's usually sitting up here and he's uh, usually uh, he's usually got something on his hip for me uh, in case people come in the back door after me because uh, we, we, we preach straight and we preach it hard and people don't like it. And uh, we get comments back from the internet, people not liking what we're preaching. So i got to make sure. I've always got my back covered. So, Brother Josiah, you just keep your eye on the door back there, all right? I don't think we live stream here, so we might be all right. But anyway, uh, we need some people who are willing to stand and preach the gospel unashamedly, unadulterated, unfiltered, exactly what the Bible says. We say at our church all the time, if we come to something in the Bible that's hard, we're going right through it. We're going headlong. If it's your sin, uh, then maybe we need to preach on it. If it's not your sin, we need to preach on it. If it's something encouraging, we're going to preach on it. If it's about salvation, we're going to preach on it. Whatever we get to, we're going to preach on it. That's what Jeremiah did. Jeremiah had some of the, the hardest and most difficult messages to preach. And we're going to look at a couple of them here tonight. Uh, mainly not about, I know we're talking about Jeremiah, but we're really going to shift our focus here in a moment away from Jeremiah. And I'll show you why here in just a moment. But I, I want to get started here and, and where we're at in this. Uh, uh, I want to read, if you would, uh, Jeremiah chapter number 26. I want to start reading verses 1 through 6. And this is not our text verses. These are just other verses I need to get you somewhere to where we're going. Jeremiah chapter number 26. We will stay in that chapter for, I think, the entirety of the evening. I don't think I'm going to go anywhere else tonight. I'm not going to run any of those rabbits. I, I don't think tonight. I can't promise that. Uh, but I, we're going to stay in Jeremiah 26, I do believe. And I want to read these first six verses just to get you where we're at today. And it says, In the beginning of the reign of Jehoiakim, the son of Josi Josiah, of the king of Judah came this word from the Lord saying, Thus saith the Lord, stand, and this is talking to Jeremiah, stand in the court of the Lord's house and speak in all the cities of Judah which come to worship in the Lord's house. All the words that I command thee to speak unto them diminish not a word. 
Boy, we could stop right there and just pluck those uh, words out and we could preach on that title for a little while. Diminish not a word. Uh, we got a lot of folks that are diminishing the word today, changing the word, making it suit their fancy, whatever they like, throwing a name on a church sign outside, come as you are, leave as you were. I uh, got a six foot block of ice in the pulpit. Ain't nobody getting help out of it. And the churches are growing daily. Why? Because Satan wants that church to grow. I think the church, the new age church, uh, is just around the corner. And I think it's going to be one of them churches, Brother Larry. I don't think it's going to be the Catholic Church. I think it's going to be one of them feel-good churches that's going to sweep this country. I just have that feeling. I may be wrong, but I'm going to feel that way for right now. But anyway, it says diminish, not a word. If so, they will har- if, if so be, they will hearken and turn every man from his evil way. Uh, that uh, that I may repent me uh, that I may repent me of the evil uh, which I propose to do unto them because of the evil of their doing. That sounds pretty bad. Now God's got some evil things in His mind. He's going to do these people. And He said, Jeremiah, I need you to go preach this word. I don't want you to change one word of what I'm telling you. And if you will do that, they will turn, and I will turn from destroying every last one of them. And thou shalt say unto them, Thus saith the Lord. Here's the message. If ye will not hearken to me uh, to walk in my law which I have set before you to hearken to the words of my servants, the the prophets whom I have sent unto you both rising up early and sending uh, sending them uh, but ye have not hearkened. Then will I make this house like Shiloh and will make the city a curse to all the nations of the earth. Boy, I know where we're going, and boy, it's good just in the introduction. We're, we're just going to introduce where we're at tonight. Here we got Jeremiah. He's, he's told to go to preach this message, and he's going to preach this message in the time, it says, in the reign of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah. Now, Jehoiakim was uh, the son of Josiah. Josiah was his, uh, uh, largely revered as one of the, the greatest kings that uh, ever ruled in, in Israel outside of, uh, outside of David and Solomon. He was a true king. He was, he was a king that walked uh, steadfastly. He was a godly man. The Bible says he turned not to the right. And he turned on the left according to the word of God. But then Jehoiakim, unfortunately, followed in the footsteps of his granddaddy and his great-granddaddy. And he was not a very good man. Things were a lot different now when Jeremiah was preaching after Josiah had moved off the scene. And Jehoiakim came and has now taken the throne. And Jeremiah now is told uh, to go and to preach. Uh, uh, The Bible says in verse 2 that God came to Jeremiah and told him to do something uh, that would cause a good man to walk away uh, from the ministry and get him a job down at Home Depot selling lumber or something. Uh, Walk away from what they're doing. I don't want to preach on those sin now, God. I'll stand in the pulpit and collect my weekly paycheck, but don't you ask me to preach on nobody's sin. Don't you ask me to preach on any of them hard things out of the Bible. And here right out of the gate, uh, chapter number 20, God tells Jeremiah, he said, I want you to go and preach against their evil doings and preach against their sin. And if you'll do that, I'll save every one of them, Jeremiah. That's what God said unto him. So here Jeremiah goes. And uh, uh, he didn't, Jeremiah didn't get one of those fun, fluffy illustrations, uh, illustrated messages to give. 
He didn't get to go and tell a little bedtime story and you know, pray a little prayer with them before they go to bed and say, now, we're going to play seven verses here and I hope all of you, uh, before we're done here tonight, uh, will come and, and talk to Jesus about being saved. Matter of fact, we'll give you a card you can fill out too and, and you can be taking over one of these rooms on the side and we'll talk to you for an hour and a half until we just wear you down and, and try to get you saved that way. That is what Jeremiah was told. God said, I want you to go and preach against their evil I want you to preach against their sin. I want you to tell them exactly what they're doing, Jeremiah. I want you to call out uh, what they're doing in our life. doesn't seem uh, like a big deal here to us these days. Uh, but at that time, uh, that was a big deal because that type of preaching uh, wasn't really accepted in Solomon's house anymore. Doesn't that sound familiar in our church houses today? That type of preaching. Oh boy, they'll get those squinty nose at you. Uh, they'll wrinkle them foreheads up if you start preaching about sin today. Uh, we don't like it. Now let me say that. I can't say that wholeheartedly uh, because you get up and start preaching on abortion. Hey, man, preach it, brother. You get up and preach on alcohol. Hey, man, preach it, brother. You get up and preach on drugs. Hey, man, brother. Uh, you preach it. You get up and start preaching on running around on your wild. Hey, man. Uh, them beaters and cheaters. Hey, man, we'll get behind you on that. But you get up and start preaching on tithing. Mm-hmm. Oh, don't you get in my wallet now, preacher. Oh, we get them squinty foreheads now. You start preaching on shacking up before marriage. Oh, no. Don't you touch on that now, preacher. That ain't none of your business what's going on in my house. Uh, well, I hate to tell the folks who are sitting under the sound of my voice, God put in the Bible and He called me to preach. Unfortunately, He has made it part of my business to deal in your business. And if it's part of your business, now I will get up and, oh, a church attendance preacher, don't you start talking about I've got to work. You better understand what i got to do. You don't understand what's going on in my house. Ain't my job to understand it. He didn't tell Jeremiah to understand none of it. He told Jeremiah to preach the word of God undiminished. Don't change a word of it. That's what I think he told him to say. I preach on the lottery. Boy, you'll hear crickets in the house of God, won't you? Hey, man. Yeah, you preach on some of these things now. We don't want to hear that. Preacher, you just need to mind your own business of this group of people here at Solomon's Temple. They had outgrown this style of preaching. There's a lot of people in our world today that's outgrown that mountain style of preaching. They don't like that. This style of preaching you're hearing tonight, they don't like that style of preaching no more. Now, we're a little too dignified for that. Uh, let us just come in and sing our three songs and have a special and maybe shake hands if COVID ain't going on at the time. And then we'll uh, get our 15-minute sermonette and we'll be over at Shoney's before they close the buffet down. You get us in and out of here uh, by noontime and preach, we might give you a raise in your salary. That's what's going on. We're too dignified for that. That's what they had got to do. I'm telling you, Jeremiah will get right down in your wheelhouse today. It'll get right in the middle of your church and blow every bit of it up. It'll call every sin out. You start reading the book of Jeremiah. You better put your big boy, big girl underwear on. You're going to read this book of Bible because it'll call you out whenever you start living in sin like that. This book will call you out on it. Oh, they like their worship to worship. Have you heard this uh, saying, Brother Chris? I know you have because we preach on that. Church. You ever heard this? Well, I like to worship God in my heart. <laughs> yeah, the Bible does uphold that, but the Bible also says to make it a public 
make it a public display. Ain't that what he told Gideon? Uh, whenever Gideon was to pull down the, uh, the idol built under Baal, and he's pulled down the poles of Asheroth there in the groves, he said, now, after you do that, Gideon, I want you to build me, and I want you to build me an altar on top of this rock, and I want you to burn that bullet where everybody can see it. I want everybody to know that you're praising me, Gideon. Uh, what did he tell uh, the king over in 2 Chronicles? I think 2 Chronicles chapter 12 or the first Chronicles. Uh, Brother Chris had me up, Brother Larry. Uh, whenever they were going into battle, and God said the battle, not yours, it's mine. What I want you to do first, send in the choir first. Don't send, don't send your warriors in. Send your choir in first and let them worship me. Let everybody know, oh, preacher, we like to worship inside our heart. Don't give me that stuff now. Bible ain't going to uphold you on that. Oh, we don't like it too loud. We don't like it too hard. And we definitely don't want to be preached to too long now. This might be, I'm already up here 10 minutes, folks. We're struggling already to get, we ain't even out of the first page introduction. We might want to buckle in. I guess the Lord's going to be good tonight. Oh, this group of people out growing that. A little too intellectual. But here who Jeremiah is talking to. Let's go back and look at, at the, the message that, that Jeremiah is supposed to preach. He says, Thus say the Lord, Hush, stand. Uh, and in the words I command, don't mention a word. If so, they'll be hearkened to where I'll turn. And he said, Now shall say unto them, If ye will not hearken unto me and walk my uh, walk in my law, which I have set before you to hearken the words of my servants, whom I have sent to you both rising up early and sending them, but you have not hearkened. Uh, you have not hearkened. He, what he is calling this group of people to is calling him to what? Revival. He said, I'm calling you out to revival. He said, you need to go and call my people into revival, Jeremiah. They've walked away from me. Now let me just ask you a quick question. This is pretty rudimentary. I hate to even ask you this because you'll probably think I'm not real smart, which I ain't, so I guess I'm showing my hand here. Uh, but let me ask you this. If somebody's coming under revival, can they be saved if they're coming under revival? No, they ain't saved if they're coming under revival. If you ain't saved, you can't have revival. You can't be revived uh, because you're still dead in your trespasses and sin. Uh, so Jeremiah ain't preaching a message to the lost. He's preaching a message to the Old Testament saved folk uh, that were uh, walking away. Ain't Jeremiah the first one to talk about people being backslidden under God? Uh, Jeremiah is preaching to these folks that have turned their back on God. And he said, I need you to go and preach revival unto these people. Amen. He's preaching to the saved folk. Amen. Oh, now... Now, preacher, this is awfully good here. And then you got to talking about me now. Wait a minute. We don't need to do that tonight. This, this, is, a, this is a Sunday night. I remember whenever um, Brother Don used to get up here. And Brother Don, this is in my notes from a long time ago. I didn't make this up tonight. I remember Brother Don used to get up here on that Gibson over there. And he'd get up and he'd sing that song, I put, I put off the old coat and put on a new. Uh, whenever you get saved, you're a new creature. Uh, so what, he, what Jeremiah is not preaching, he's not preaching a renewing. He's not preaching a salvation message. He's preaching a reviving. He's, he's preaching a, 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 a coming up again, a, a redeeming, a, a coming back for God. This is what Jeremiah is preaching. Well, now, Jeremiah, he had preached against the, uh, the, uh, the idol that they were worshiping of the Molech. And Jeremiah, he just happened to be under the opinion that these idols and the whole pantheon that they were serving, Jeremiah just happened to be under the opinion that God was the only true God. Uh, that his God was the only true and living God. And that Molech and all those other gods uh, were false idol gods. And that they were, they were sinning against God when these, these people who knew better had these false idol gods in Solomon's temple. And God said, 
said unto him, I need you to go and call them out. Uh, they, was, they were praying unto the sun god, the moon god, and the fish god, and all the other gods uh, that you could think of. And God said, I need you to go and call them out. They know better than that. You go and tell them if they don't turn from their evil ways, I will destroy them. But if you preach, Daniel, or Jeremiah, what I'm telling you, don't change one thing. Uh, they'll change from their ways. Uh, and you know what Jeremiah was so narrow-minded to do? He's so narrow-minded to believe that God was the only God and to go preach the message that God told him to go preach uh, because when God called him out over in Jeremiah chapter 1, he said, I'll put the word in your mouth. I'll tell you exactly what to preach. I'll be with you all the way, Jeremiah. And he was just uh, foolish enough to believe what God said. Do I, is there anybody else in here tonight that says I'm foolish enough to believe what the Bible says? I'm foolish enough to believe God. Jeremiah was right there with you. We are still in the introduction. I have got uh, to move on. Uh, so Jeremiah goes up and he preaches this message uh, there while Jehoiakim was the king. And, and he preaches this hard message. And this is about the time that a good preacher would come in uh, with a good altar call. Hey, you know, you just really, you really got them going and now you really want to, you want to call them in. Now let's call in all the saints. We're going to bring in the sheep. Uh, come on, Larry, and grab your fuse. You come in. Let's just gather around the altar and pray. That'd been a great time for an altar call, right? That's not what Jeremiah did. That's not what God told him to do. God told Jeremiah, he said, and when you're done calling out their sin, you let them know I'm going to level this place like I did at Shiloh. And Jeremiah stands outside the uh, temple gates and he said and God said that he'll level this whole temple like he did at Shiloh. Can you believe I mean they're probably standing inside going can you believe he just said that they're going to level this place like the Philistines did down at Shiloh what in the world is this man doing? He's doing exactly what God told him to do oh you know before Jeremiah came Hezekiah he was the he was one of the godliest kings that we know in the Bible but it wasn't always that way. For there was another little prophet of God named Micah that came in preaching the same message in Hezekiah's time. Uh, repent. Turn back to the Lord. Turn from your evil and wicked ways. And when Hezekiah heard those words, he said, boys, we got to make some changes around here. Uh, we're going to change a few things up. We're going to go back to serving the one true and living God. Uh, the one who knows all the affairs of heaven and who rules all the affairs of earth. we got to change some things around here. I'm so thankful that there's some men of God willing to stand and preach the word. I'm so thankful that there's some men of God. I know of one down here at 1585 Mount Tabor Road uh, that's still not ashamed to preach the gospel. It not, may not be the way I preach it. It may not be the way a man down the road preaches it, but he's still willing to stand and preach the gospel. I'm so thankful for men that's willing to stand and to preach the gospel. Well, now we get over into our text verses, and this is where we're going to pull just a... I got... Hmm, I got two points tonight. And Chris just looked up at me and said, Lord, help my soul. That's another hour and a half message. <laughs> I promise you it won't be. Don't worry about it. I'll get all you guys out of here in time to go get you some food, okay? Uh, we're about done already. Look at chapter, verse number 20 of this same chapter. Verse number 20. It says, keep in mind what we just talked about, men willing to stand. In verse number 20 of the same chapter. It says, there was also... That's why it says also. Not only Jeremiah, there was also a man that prophesied in the name of the Lord. Uriah, the son of Shemaiah of Kirthjeth Jerem, who prophesied against this city and against this land according to all the words of Jeremiah 
And when Jehoiakim, the king with all his mighty men, and all the princes heard his words, the king sought to put him to death. But when Uriah heard it, he was afraid and fled and went to Egypt. And Jehoiakim, the king, sent men into Egypt, namely Elnathan, the son of Akbor, and certain men with him into Egypt. And they fetched forth Uriah out of Egypt and brought him to, unto Jehoiakim, the king, who slew him with the sword and cast his dead body into the graves of the common people. Nevertheless, the hand of Achim, uh, the son of Shaphan, uh, Shaphan uh, was with Jeremiah that they should not give him to the hand of the people to put him to death. I want to look at this little man in our scripture that comes out just a couple verses about him. Uriah, the prophet of God. Uriah, the prophet of God. Uriah comes on the scene and he's, he's a little fireball. I, I can just imagine. I don't know why, but I can just imagine this little bow-legged Jewish man. I don't know why. No bigger than men. And he comes out and I just imagine him standing and preaching and proclaiming the gospel of Christ. Just a little fireball of a preacher man. Proclaiming the same gospel that Jeremiah was preaching. Proclaiming the same gospel that Micah would preach before that. The same gospel that was being preached here this year. Elijah was preaching the same words that Jeremiah was preaching. And I want to look just at a couple things tonight. Number one, I want to look at the man. I want to look at the man that we have here. The man is Elijah. I notice a couple things about this man. Number one, I notice his frailty. This uh, first sentence in our, in our text verses of verse number, uh, verse number 20. And it says, And there was also a man that prophesied in the name of the Lord, Uriah, the son of Shammai, and cursed Jerem, who prophesied against the city and against this land, according to all the words of Jeremiah. And you say, I don't understand why you can say he, he was a frail man. I read nothing about that in there. Well, that's why I'm standing up here. Because there's some things I need to tell you about this first verse. Uh, the Hebrew word for a man, which is uh, used most often in your text, in your Old Testament, is Enos, or Enosh, E-N-O-S, E-N-O-S, you say it, Enosh. That's the most of the time when you see the word man in your Old Testament, they'll use the word Enosh. But this time, it did not use the word Enosh. It uses the word Ish, I-S, Ish. It talks about this man of Uriah, and it says Ish. Uriah, not Enosh, Uriah. What is the difference in that preacher? I'm glad you asked. Because the Hebrew word ish means a man of frailty. A man who is frail in stature. A man who is uh, specifically weak or fragile in his body. This entire section is dealing with it, dealing with Uriah. It starts off and says he was a weak, he was a fragile man. Uh, but he still stood and preached. Uh, the Word of God. Oh, there are times uh, that we are weak and frail and fragile. I'm feeling a little bit like that tonight after the day that we have had and the night that we have had. Oh, we're running on fumes right now. Uh, but God is still good to us. And we'll show you that in just a moment uh, why we are still able to stand and proclaim the Gospel. But it says, Ish, uh, this man, uh, he, was, he was a small man. He was a frail man. He was just a, a little bit of a nothing man. He was a frail man, but he was God's man. I notice not only his frailty, 
but I look at his forecast. I look at I look at his preaching that he did. I look at his preaching. It says that he prophesied. He prophesied the same message that Jeremiah preached. Now this is where we're going to get good now. This word prophesied that it uses, which is another word for preached. This word prophesied, Nabah, N-A-B-A, Nabah. And this word Nabah in your Hebrew means to quake or to quiver. That means to get the shakes. Anybody ever got the shakes before? It means to get the shakes. So this weak and frail man was prophesying the word of God. And while he was prophesying the word of God, he's just standing and shaking, not because he's scared. He's standing and shaking because of the word of God uh, that's filling him up. He's got so much of it in him. He's got to get it out of him. And he begins to shake. Oh, me and Brother Josiah were just talking about it this morning. Oh, whenever you're out and you're trying to preach and proclaim the gospel, you're not worried about the size of a church. You don't have to look at the number of the people in there. All you're worried about is that message that God has impregnated you with inside of you. And you begin to shake and to quiver and to quake. And you just got to get this thing out. I don't care if it's one, two, five, or fifty. I need to preach the word that God has put down inside of me. And here this frail and fragile man who was weak on his own power is now able to stand under the power of God, under the preaching of God, and shake and quiver to bring out the word of God. Oh, I thank God for those times when God has allowed us to preach the hellfire and the brimstone messages. And I was talking to... uh, my daughter goes to a, a private Christian school there where we live. And I was talking to her Bible teacher back before I guess this year started. And I said, uh, he, I, I introduced myself and said I was a preacher. He didn't care too much because I didn't have a, a doctor title in front of my name uh, or any other fancy degrees hanging upon the wall. And he said, oh, yeah. And I said, yeah. I said, I pastor a church at Knoxville. And he said, okay. He said, what kind of preacher are you? And I said, I'm a Baptist Hellfire Grimstone preacher. And he said, okay, well, that's good for some folks. I'm more of a David Jeremiah type. That's what he said. And I said, well, I guess that's good for other folks now, ain't it? But I want to keep on preaching the Hellfire and the Brimstone Wild because there's a generation coming behind us that needs to hear the Amen. word of God. That needs to hear somebody who understand under the, under the name Paul of God, the power of God, and shake and tremble when they're presenting the word of God because there's so much passion that goes with it. Amen. I'm so thankful God's willing to stand with us. Elijah and these other great men of his time, Timothy and and all these others, and Micah, and, and Jeremiah, and Noah, they were willing to stand and to preach the gospel of Christ. They were willing to stand and preach how the gospel how that God had given to them. Oh, we are not capable. I cannot speak for them. Let me just say that. I can only speak for myself. I am not capable of standing and preaching any type of message upon my own. And I pray that God 
God never asked me to do that. I pray that God is with me every time that we stand and try to preach the Word of God. The Bible says that it is a fearful thing to preach the Word of God. And I can't say that I stand up here and shake and tremble and all those things. But it is a fearful thing when you know that every word that falls upon your lips, you're going to be held accountable for it. So I try to make sure that I'm sure what God wants me to say. I've prayed about what God wants me to, uh, to utter off my lips that I'll be held accountable for. Because uh, it's, a, it's a fearful thing. Oh, we see His frailty. Uh, we see in our world that we're living in today, there's a lot of finger pointing going on in the world. I don't know if you've still gotten uh, any cable TV or any of that such. We don't. We decided that we don't use it. Might as well get rid of it. And we really ain't missed it since. Uh, but you can turn on any of those uh, uh, wonderful news channels, uh, whether it's Fox News or CNN News. And I know right now everybody's swearing by Newsmax. Folks, give it time. They'll be gone too. Uh, but anyway, uh, when they get on there and they'll start pointing those fingers over there and say, well, this one's doing that. But that one over there is doing that. And this one's doing this. Uh, folks, I don't really have the right Oh, because I'm nothing of a man to stand up here and point the finger at anybody else. But all I can do is stand under the power of God and try to preach the gospel and make sure that I'm applying it to my life. And I definitely ain't going to point the finger at no other man of God like Uriah that may have been weak and frail. I'm not going to point a finger at him. I know that he was trying to do what God told him to do for the Bible tells me so. First Timothy chapter number 5 verse number 17 uh, it says, let the elders who do rule well be counted double honor, especially those who labor in the Word and teaching. In case you didn't know what that meant, that's talking about your preachers and your teachers. They need to be counted double honor. They need to be counted highly favored. They need to be well taken care of. And I'm not preaching in my church, so I can say this. You ought to take care of your pastor. You ought to make sure that he don't have a need or even a want in his life. He should never have to carry one thing upon his own. He should never have to bear a burden by himself. He should never have to wonder how where a next meal is going to come from in his life. He shouldn't have to do those things. How we should count double honor upon those men. It should be required of the church. And this is by the gospel, not by the preacher. This is by the gospel which Paul wrote to Timothy. Oh, I know it's tough to preach. It's hard to preach. And I would even, I would stop and think for a moment before I'd even preach it. In my, uh, in my own pulpit, uh, because I don't want people to think. Uh, that I want to, I want anybody to know uh, or to think that I think highly of myself because that's not what it is. It's the position that God has called. It's the messages that you have to bring. It's hard sometimes. And then you be counted double honor and blessed and highly favored. Uh, but there are a lot of times when things get hard. And uh, Uriah and Jeremiah, they face some of these situations. I'm trying to move on. I'm trying to trying to get on into the message here for you tonight, uh, but anyway, uh, we are we are right now. Let me say this: we are right now in our church. I don't know why God is blessing us, uh, but we are enjoying a time of uh, spiritual growth and uh, numerical growth and and financial growth. We're enjoying a time of that. But let me go ahead and say while we're on the subject. 
It is not because of their pasture that they are enjoying that growth. It's because of the Lord God Almighty who is pouring out His blessings upon a little church right now that we're able to see those blessings being coming. Amen. Has nothing to do with me. I'm going to tell you that. I don't know what my folks will tell you, but I'll tell you, it got nothing to do with me because I know me. I'm a sinful and weak man. I'm wor- unworthy of what God has given me. Uh, but here we are. We see his frailty. We see his forecast. But now let's look at his family. I don't think we're going to get off this point. Uh, we might try to just to touch on the last one. But we see lastly in this point, his family. He says he is the son of Shemaiah. Uh, Shemaiah means, uh, uh, his daddy's name Shemaiah. Shem means I have heard. And Aya uh, means Jehovah. I-A-H is another word for Jehovah. Uh, so his, daddy, his name, daddy's name means I have heard of Jehovah. Don't you like that song? I have heard of a land. I'm so glad I've heard a few things. We Amen. preached on that this morning, yeah. didn't we? I'm so, well, I can go back and circle back around that and again. I'm so glad I've heard a few things. Yeah. And here's Uriah's daddy saying, I heard of God. I know who God is. I can tell you about God. His daddy's name means I have heard of God. And then we got Yorijah. Yorijah, Yorijah, his name means to shine on. And the last part of his name again means Jehovah. God, all Yorijah's job was to do was to shine upon God. Just to shine the light upon God. Let everybody know who the real God was. Not Molech, not the moon God, not the sun God, not the cow God. But everything revolves around God and this world revolves around him. Oh, I'm glad there were people out there who started off life uh, uh, maybe not so well, but ended well uh, with the Lord. I'm glad there were folks that maybe didn't uh, start off walking uh, with God, but they ended walking with God. But you know something about Uriah? He's a peculiar character in your Bible. He is one of the very few who started well and ended well in your Bible. He started well and he ended well. He came on the scene preaching the word. He went off the scene as a martyr for God. He started a right. He ended a right. Uriah was a man of God. Oh, the family of God. Now, here's the part I really like. It says in this, I think we're still in the first verse. Are we still in the verse number 20? Heaven help my soul. It says that he was of Kirth-Jerim. What does that mean? I really wouldn't waste your time with this. I wouldn't want you to uh, to think bad of me, but I really like this, and I just thought I'd give this to you as a nugget. You can take it and put it in your pocket and think about it later. But Kurth Jeth Jerem means a village of the woods. A village in the woods. What does that mean, Brother Larry? That means Uriah, this frail and fragile man who was preaching under the power and under the authority of God who was shaking and quivering, who was shining a light upon God. He was nothing but a country boy from the woods out of the backwood hills of Kurth Jerem. I was a little country boy. I'm probably living in a little wooden shack. I'm coming out and preaching the word of God. I'm so thankful for men who will stand and preach. Oh, I like those city preachers. Uh, Harry Ironside, Henry Harry Ironside, Henry Morehouse, and D.L. Moody, some of those uh, big city preachers. Oh, who got those big, fantastic, 
Fabulous churches. Oh, the Prince of Preachers. Uh, Brother Charles Spurgeon. A uh, large church in a great city. Oh, those men are wonderful. But you know who I also like? I like those men like Marvin Galls. Uh, those men, just an old Indian man, got up. I uh, was illiterate and couldn't read a leg. His wife, I think, was Alice, if I've got that right. I uh, would teach him one verse out of the Bible. And he'd preach that verse. Uh, one verse, God painting a picture. I love those old men that just come from the backwoods of nowhere. Able to get up and, and stand and proclaim the gospel and preach the word of God unadulterated, undiminished and say God is on the throne yes, I love some of those men probably more than I love those big, I don't know why God has been so good to me lately, but me and Dr. Mike Bagwell have struck up a friendship. I don't know why, but we talk quite often throughout the week, and he's down at Taylorsville, and I, I so wanted to be there with him this week, and things came up, I couldn't go, but anyway, I called him, and I, I, was, I was so heartbroken, and said, Dr. Bagwell, I won't be able to be with you this week, and he said, that's all right, brother, I know you're going to be praying for me, but when I think of a little backwoods preacher. I think of Dr. Bagwell, a little bow-legged man from Tunnel Hill, Georgia. Uh, he's a, he's the, the nephew of Oliver B. Green. Uh, gets up there and runs around on that podium. Not much anymore. He's getting a little bit older now. Uh, but just a little bow-legged man uh, preaching the Word of God uh, without changing any part of it. Oh, those are some of the men that I love the most. What about men in your Bible? Now, I know, let me get off folks that I know. Let's get back to the Bible. What about Amos? What was he doing when God called him out? He was plowing the field. What about Elijah? What was he doing? He's plowing the field. What about Gideon? He was threshing wheat behind the wine press, hiding, just threshing a little small portion of wheat for him and his family. And God called him and said, Hey, thou mighty man of valor. Can you imagine what Gideon said while he was a hiding and a threshing wheat? He had to look around, take a double take, and say, Who me, God? You ain't talking about that's what he said. You, God, you're talking to me. Ain't got to be so. I ain't got a frog in my pocket, God. I ain't no mighty man of valor. God said, hey, I'm going to be with you the whole way. You will not lose as long as I'm with you. And called him out of the farmhouse and sent him out on his way preaching. There's man after man in your Bible who was called out of the backwoods, out of the, out of the shacks in the hills, and preached the word of God. One of the best ones in the New Testament. Best examples of it. Oh, JTB. That's how I write his name every time I got him in my notes. I don't think I've wrote John the Baptist in years in my notes. Every time I write him down, it's JTB. Oh, JTB wearing camel hair and a leather strap. Eating locusts and wild honey. Can you imagine what this man looked like running out of the woods? And he'd come out there preaching here a little and there a little. I'm preaching repent for salvation is at hand. Oh, this backwoods country boy. I'm preaching the word of God. I thank God that he counts double honor even to those backwoods country boys. Thank God for that. Oh, I could stand here and preach you four or five, uh, six messages uh, just on being thankful for the man that stands in this pulpit uh, three times a week. Uh, but I dare not do that because uh, that might take me a while. Uh, but I'm so glad what I am glad for. I'll give you this and we'll shut her down tonight and go home. Uh, but what I am glad of is that one day there's a little boy uh, down to seven, uh, 723 Smelser Street uh, that was in his mama's belly. And God saw him in that belly. And God sanctified him in that belly. And God set him apart in that belly. And gave him a word in that belly. And God knew him before he knew anything about this world. Oh, when he came out. 
eight years old, God came and visited him there on the front pew of Old Time Gospel Baptist Church. And God kept him ever since then and called him out, called him out to preach the Word of God, not to stand and proclaim boldly what thus saith the Word of God. He kept me in my teenage years. He kept me in my, in my young adult years when I could have walked away from God, but he had his hand upon me. I'm so thankful, God. I count some of those backwoods nobodies like myself and double honor and grace and mercy poured out upon us. I thank God for that. He's guided me. He's taught me. Gave me everything I know. I thank God for that. Oh, I, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know why God even allows me to stand. In the, I have the time I get up here, Brother Chris. I, I've got an education. I mean, I got a secular. I don't have a, a Christian type of thing. I ain't got nothing about divinity, Brother Larry. I've got, a, I've got a secular education. I even got educations on top of that education. Now, we had three of them before I left my undergraduate and then went back for two graduate degrees, Brother Larry. And I still won't dang in my. Uh, oh, wait not, no, you don't dang in the You dang in You dang what do you dang I can't even figure out what do you dang What? Parcel, parcels, and you split you and fit it. I can't even figure out what to dang or what to split. But anyway, you dang one of them and split I can't even figure that out today. But God counts it double honor and he gives a word of God. To yes. I thank yes. God for that. Amen. I thank God that he stands with us. We see the man. We can look at the message. We can look at his misstep. Oh, he, he did. He did. He ran. I'll give you that one. He did run. And there's a lot of men. Be careful when you read your commentaries. Remember, a lot of those commentators are just commentators. That's all they are. And they'll start pointing that finger little crooked finger in your eyes and say, oh, he ran. He went to Egypt. Who's he think he is? Has anybody ran after you with a sword lately wanting to uh, cut every part of your body off? Uh, I don't think so. I might run too unless I got Josiah up here with me. Then I'm all right. Uh, today I'm a, I'm a little bit exposed up here today. Uh, but it's all right. Uh, but but he, he, they came after him. And the Bible says, let me give you this before we, before we close. I know this ain't a good place to close it, but we want to close it. Uh, as... As, as I say sometimes, I'm beginning to close. What does that mean? Absolutely nothing. But I'm beginning to close. Anyway, uh, uh, when it says there that they slew him, uh, that's an imperfect, oh, here we go again, I'm pulling out grammar. That's an imperfect uh, tense verb, which means that there was no stopping him. That means once they started, uh, started slaying him, they didn't just take one sword and run it through him and he was dead. They didn't just cut his head off. No, they stabbed him and stabbed him and stabbed him and mistreated him and abused him and then they killed him. Then they cut his head off and then they buried him down in the grave of a common man. You tell me you wouldn't run either? I might be on the first train to Egypt too. Uh, sometimes we've got to put ourselves in their position. Yes, he had a misstep. Yes, he had a misstep. Oh, but then, uh, but then he had a martyrdom. Oh, he's going to be there getting that crown for the martyrs. Thank God. 
for these men that are willing to stand. So what I ask you tonight, as we close, come and get a song. Uh, whoever's going to sing it tonight, uh, Miss Kathy, you come on, and Sean or Larry, whoever's coming, uh, whoever's going to do that, let me ask you tonight as you stand to your feet. You don't have to be a preacher uh, to be willing to stand for the gospel. You don't have to be a preacher uh, to be willing to say what thus saith the word of God. You can stand boldly. Let me tell you something. We got a few youngins in here, and I make sure I touch on this at least once a month at my church. Especially all you college kids. Let me tell you what your college is going to try to infiltrate your mind with. They are going to tell you that there is a such thing as a universal truth. There is no such thing as a universal truth. What you think is right does not matter in the economy of God. The only thing that is right is what is right there. And that's what I call a foundational truth. It's a doctrinal truth. It's a word of God truth. Don't listen to these folks. Oh, we talked about it this morning over in the book of Psalms. Uh, there's, there's some things we can declare about the manner of teaching our kids. And we need to start getting our kids back up and training them up in the ways of the Word of God. Uh, we talked about it this morning. Standing there on the river. How mean was I? How mean this morning was I? Was that good? Okay, thank you, brother. That makes me feel better. I'll sleep tonight. I thought I might have hurt somebody's feelings there for a minute. Uh, we talked about raising our kids. And these folks got this new idea. Now, we're going to let our kids make the decision whether they want to go church with Larry, whether they want to eat their vegetables, uh, what they want to do. We'll even let them choose what church we go to. They want to choose what church, but we'll let them even choose. If you got a good youth program, we'll let our kids choose your church. Let me tell you, that is a terrible plan. I'm going to say that backwards again. That ain't even a plan for raising your child. That's a plan for raising a heathen is all that is. Yeah. We should not be doing that, but 